You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast for students, graduates, and anyone else interested in ideas. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. Okay, this is another coronavirus podcast over Discord. So you sent me this article about flow, yeah, which was pretty interesting. I had no real idea what flow was before. Uh, yeah, I guess we talk more like cultural, psychological issues on this podcast anyway. I think that's just kind of what we're doing now. Um, more diluted from like hardcore philosophy. But I think stuff like this is potentially more useful. I want to say possibly more interesting to like non-philosophy people rather than bollocks questions like can God make a rock too heavy for itself to lift or is consciousness epiphenomenal? The thing is, like, how do you then apply that knowledge? And it's like, while those questions are amazing and, like, get you thinking, it's like, okay, how can I use that? How is that useful? Yeah, this this stuff was really, was really good listening to it, actually. Um, at first, I thought it was just going to be basic psychology, common sense stuff. But then he actually does start going into some philosophical concepts. He even mentions the word eudaimonia which is yeah. really, really interesting, actually. To introduce what it is, so flow is a concept by, and I'm going to take six goes to get this name right, Mihal, it's not, it's not even Mihal, it's, it's, it's not Mihal. Okay. <laughs> okay, it's Mihai, Chetzen Mihai, I think it is. That's it, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. What you can do is you can edit, you can edit all this bit so it looks really cool. Like I just like walk in and go, yeah, so Mihai, Chetzen Mihai, and you're like, fuck, he nailed it. <laughs> So it's it's a book about this this idea of like a something called a flow state. He wrote this in the 1980s, and it's I guess it's kind of dripped in a little bit into sort of modern culture in a sort of subconscious way. But it's this idea that there is like an ideal state where you're completely focused on a task. So you're you're not really worried about time. You're not really worried about pleasure or displeasure, and also like your sense of self disappears. And he talks about how this is, in his view, sort of like the foundation for for happiness. Yeah. So it's basically that feeling when you're absorbed in a challenging yet like completely doable task. Yeah. So it's it's like living in the moment. I guess it's reminiscent of things like mindfulness that we've talked about before. But it's also this idea that happiness is something internal that takes effort and isn't like unchanging or rigid. So it's it's like a little bit of stoicism almost there as well. It's, there's this external stuff as well. Well, it's sort of like happiness is like a skill. And it's kind of like, it's a skill that you learn by by engaging in tasks which are rewarding. And when I first started reading, I was like, oh, this is kind of like mindfulness, like being aware of the moment. But I actually kind of think it's the opposite. Yeah. Because I think it's like, it's mindfulness is all about being present in the moment, observing and not doing, paying attention to yourself, paying, paying attention to the seat of consciousness, paying attention to where thoughts are coming from. So like you're really focusing on, you're focusing so much on, the, the current moment that you are letting go of yourself but it's like this is kind of like you're focusing on a task and i guess you still have that same sort of the fact of you losing the sense of self but through this you're focusing more on a task or pursuit yeah um i actually think this is potentially more wide reaching once you realize and follow the context of what he's trying to talk about as, you know, achieving a way to get at more consistent happiness throughout your life is really what he's offering. It almost starts to become more useful than mindfulness because I think mindfulness is just like, okay, how can I relax for the next 20 minutes and kind of, or how can I 
deal with a stressful day at work. Whilst I think this is almost bigger, it's certainly le- like it's more cyclical, like because you're not just, I'll go back to the cyclical thing, but it's more active than mindfulness because mindfulness is just like really passive. It actually involves conscious effort. It's not something as well that can be easily exploited by businesses like we were saying with that kind of stuff. Because it involves more thought and actual enjoyment, it's not just a, a breathing technique or trying to cultivate a very specific feeling. It's, it's I think it's a bit more well, than that. The problem with mindfulness is the fact that it has become like a, a 10 minute sort of sit down with Sam Harris and as much as I love Sam Harris and mindfulness or whatever and like his apps and you just sit down for 10 minutes, whack it on and forget about your day. And I think that's that's very much like the Western version of mindfulness where it has become commoditized in like a sort of utilitarian mindset. So you're just like, okay, well, how can I make everyone better workers? How can I be better at work? Everyone like 20% more relaxed then I'll actually be a more productive worker and therefore you're taking the idea of mindfulness and using it as a tool Whereas like it's, it's supposed to be uh, a learning the skill set so you can do exactly what Mihai is saying here, like focusing on the moment completely. So the ideal, like the end goal for mindfulness is that you're, that you're mindful all the time. So it's not just like a 10 minute meditative practice where you're doing something, it's actually ceasing to do things. And it's that idea that eventually you will learn how to cease to do things uh, all the time and you'll be constantly in the flow of the moment. So I think that's that, that's why that's why this is so fantastic. But then also yeah. towards the end of the book, he talks about how how you can, or how, basically where meaning in life comes from, and how you construct your own meaning, and how working towards a goal is, and very much this sort of is supported by like uh, other people that you've seen, like Jordan Peterson, whatever, talk about meaning through overcoming like hardship and finding meaning through achieving something. He talks about that and how you build up your own meaning through the things you choose to do, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, that's very, very Nietzsche. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, isn't it? It's like, and also just like, it seems to be a recurring thing because it's like, like the Jews running away from Egypt, going through hardship, overcoming very crap times in order to find the, the sort of the balance and the happiness, isn't it? A sense of history that's never left them, yeah. Yeah, it's a reoccurring theme, so you just find it all over the place, which probably means that it's like biological rather than just something that uh, is a good story. Yeah, I think this is giving names to the universal. This is a classic case of that. Um, yeah. After all, it's, it's common sense in a way. It's like people have been in the flow for thousands of years. This way of talking about the flow state, I think, is it's quite old, isn't it? It's like goes back to... I think the book that we're focusing on is the 90s and then, what is it, the, the 70s, 75 or something like that, he came up with it? Yeah, so he's, um, and this is one of these great books where you read it and it's like, he's almost saying nothing new. And it's it's like, why I love reading like um, uh, this book is because it'd just be basically going like, Chinese philosophy already came up with this and they called it like, you. It's just pointing to the fact that this thing has already been thought of. Yeah, he's he's just signposting and, and condensing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's why I find it really interesting. So it covers such a like the, the book's fantastic read. I literally sat down with it and just and did it in an entire day, just yeah. because I was just like just completely into it. it. Was I was literally in the flow of reading the book. So it's like, <laughs> he's obviously like a or, or the guy who translated it from Hungarian. It's obviously like a really good sort of like translator, and his writing style was awesome. Yeah, Mi- Mihai actually, I think he would have known that it was like a really universal thing as well, obviously, because study under Carl Jung. And I actually was reading, he read a lot of actual conventional philosophy before that. 
and he's sort of he's sort of of a school of psychology which has sort of been deemed or been given the nickname of like positive psychology this idea of uh sort of like freudian psychology and like some like the sort of the traditional view of psychology is like you you go to a dark room and you talk about horrible things that happen in your childhood in order to get over some past trauma whereas this is about like improving yourself even if you are sort of in a good state rather than like treating an illness you're just trying to improve like your mental balance and like your sort of oneness with moments well yeah what i thought was actually really interesting is the fact that he was a prisoner in world war ii yeah as as same as um victor frankl who's another another guy who this 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 work reminds me quite a bit of and uh alexander solstice as well yeah well there's loads of guys it strikes me as like a reactive attempt to like you're saying, like informed by suffering, but in a way that's not dissimilar to, I guess in the past we talked about continental philosophers and people like Levinas, these people that were trying to explore happiness and meaning in response, direct response to world wars and the Holocaust and things, find like systemic ways, personal ways as well to reduce suffering and respond to conflict in a way that addresses key problems in the world yeah levinas was a jewish survivor of concentration camp we were talking about him like a few podcasts ago um tolkien fucking wrote the similarian in the trenches didn't he it's like this just seems like a lot of work on happiness and stuff and meaning comes out of like very bad strife well yeah it's it's like victor frankl wrote man's search for meaning which i think is probably one of my favorite books and i think a book that everyone should just fucking read like it should literally stay ordered you have to read this book so he was in i can't remember if it was Auschwitz, but he was in a concentration camp he was just like in the most horrible situations possible and he was talking about situations where people were like laughing and uh there was there was there was one there was one famous quote where he talks about how like there was a fork in the road for the train and the train was either going to go left to auschwitz or right to bergen bells mm. And um, it went, it went right. So it went to the the concentration camp that they weren't just going to gas them and burn them on site. And he talks about how people were like cheering and dancing and singing. He also goes on to talk about sort of how every single person in that camp was forced to become a philosopher in order to survive. But it's just he was the only one who was a who was a sort of psychologist before, so he could sort of put it down in the right terms afterwards. It's that classic idea of like suffering and hardships, sort of creating. Uh, or unlocking, showing this idea of how you can create some happiness and meaning out of that. I think it's because your life is interrupted a little bit like with this coronavirus, but not, not, not <laughs> yeah, to that extent. <laughs> definitely. That's exactly, that's exactly what I've been thinking. Oh, this is just like uh, the Holocaust. But um, that's, that's, in fact, <laughs> no, that's, but wait, that's wait. what I said to my dad. I literally said like, he goes like, how are you doing? I was like, well, here's my, like, this is my benchmark for a bad thing. So it was Viktor Frankl in the middle of a, a German winter who was forced, uh, having not eaten two days, he was forced out into the gym and woods with no shoes, no shirt, in order to uh, work in frozen ground for 12 hours to go home to lie in like lice-filled beds. So you're like, wow, that's kind of crap. So if you, if you use that as like a perspective, you use that as a benchmark, it's like everything else is just fucking absolutely nothing. I, yeah, sure. But I think you're allowed to complain nah. before before you get to that point. <laughs> I, I, dis, I disagree. No, I, I totally agree. I, obviously, I said in the last podcast about the um, the wartime parallels and how kind of offensive they are to real acute forms of suffering. Yeah, legit. But yeah, at, at the same time, I, I think 
any form of strife, the the more acute, the more effect it has, um, interrupts your life to the point where you're you're forced to reevaluate and address the, your entire way of thinking. You know, when you're when you're seeing horrific things, you you have to think in new and novel ways to explain it, and then after you survive it, think about how you how that's going to affect the way you live forward and whether you try and do anything to stop that from happening again. So. I think that's what happens. Yeah, you have to know the darkness to be able to appreciate the light, don't you? So yeah. that's like the, the classic sort of saying. But um, Is that a real saying or did you see that in a fortune cookie? <laughs> no, but it's... Uh, I can't remember where it's from. It's, it's just like a... It's like the darker your darks, the lighter your lights. like a painting thing as well. It's just, it's just all about contrast. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I did type in www.wog quotes to put on my Twitter... And then like that was that was a woke quote number three. Live laugh love dot org. Live laugh love legit. Anyone anyone who uh, has a live laugh love sign in the house is like utterly bereft of like soul. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> like literally, that's uh, that's the fine that you you at that point you're a fucking philosophical zombie. <laughs> oh. Let's let's talk about let's talk about what flow is. So. We always we always talk about what flow is, isn't it? It's like the it's the state of being completely enraptured and, and lost in something. These are things that it has to have. So it has to be using skills. It has to have like rules to it, and it has to have instant feedback. Um, one of the reasons why I started looking at this is I was actually looking at it mainly to apply it to teaching, because where mm-hmm. I heard about this book from was from a uh, he's from a MMA coach called Faraz Zahabi. And he was talking about how he applies this uh, in his martial arts training, how he applies this in his fitness training. Um, Have you actually ended up using it? Did it help? What the the concept of flow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's just so many things. Like, like one of the things that we'll get to in a bit is like psychic energy, which I find really like a useful sort of metaphor. Okay. It, he outlines two types of people, and I'm I'm very much like verging towards one of the types of people. There's like people of action, and then people of contemplation. I think I'm very much like a, a doing person. It's like one of those things, like you were saying in there, without without trying to sound like what you're saying in the last podcast about people being like, oh, virtue singly, how busy they are. There are like definitely people who who really enjoy doing flow tasks anyway, and how how this sort of gravitates towards. Yeah, I was reading that it works for people who are more conscientious and uh, what's the word autotelic. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, autotelics. Auto it's coming from the inside, or it's, or it's, so it's for the purpose of. That kind of reminded me of uh, intrinsic goods and things, because yes. it's apparently the type of psychological attitude to someone who conceptualizes and values like intrinsic goods over instrumental imperatives. Like, if I don't want to do something for the sake of getting something out of it, I want to do something because it's good in and of itself. Yeah, there's a brilliant, there's a brilliant thing where he talks about. Um, it's like extrinsic versus intrinsic. So he has this idea of an autotelic personality, which is somebody who just is so focused on something that that brings them absolute joy. And he gives an example of a guy called Joe, who's like a, he works in a sort of massive like factory doing welding. And he knows everything about all the machines because for some reason, he's just very, very happy and just like completely focused on the job that he does. And he, he can work any element in that factory when people go, sort of missing and then outside of work instead of watching tv he went home and built like a a massive like he bought lots of land on the side of his house and then made that into an elaborate rock garden and then after that he decided to put some lights in it so that he could uh see rainbows 
in that rock garden afterwards at night and he's just and he was offered like jobs promotions and management but he was just sort of focused on doing that the one particular job like his job of welding so well there was no sort of extrinsic motivation he wasn't he wasn't trying to do the job well so that he could get another job and then get away from that and make more money he was just focused on doing that as best he could it's contentment without being passive yeah that's that's what i think is it's really really interesting and and also just like the idea of focusing on something because how many things do you do because of the the end goal mm. and it's like it really it's really helped me to focus on on what you're doing rather than the reason why you're doing it talked a little bit in the past about like these people that are very hard to find now but like people who in the past would have dedicated their whole lives to just one art a way of stitching or a type of smithing or yeah like 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 a craftsman because yeah a great example he uses in here is a butcher where he talks about the the way of you and how the chinese talked about it thousands of years ago where there's a there's a story of the king of wei who has a uh he has like a cow that he's sort of getting slaughtered by a butcher and this butcher is just like absolutely focused going into this state of flow where it's like an effortless kind of dance and he sort of knows exactly where to put the knife underneath to like find like the points where the muscles are clinging on of tendons and like carve away at the fat and it's just someone who's so focused on perfecting that craft one person he talks about is bobby fisher who's like the chest uh sort of prodigy and i think bobby fisher said that you wouldn't know if, if the roof had fallen off when you're in the middle of a chess tournament unless it fell directly onto you and stopped you playing chess that idea of being so engrossed in something that you're just completely in in that flow state you're just completely focused on that yeah i mean footballers do it when they're when they say they're in the zone yeah yeah and that's the thing there's loads of different different words for it, isn't it? it's like the moment the flow the zone so he talks about how you can get it with like a musician when they're performing you're just completely focused on perfectly playing the violin or something it's not effortless you're not like completely mindless you're not just breathing like mindfulness. You're you're actually making like thousands of little tiny adjustments at the same time, but you're just completely focused on that so that nothing else sort of matters. I think one of the things that separates it from stuff like breathing techniques or yoga is that there's this is where it does branch into philosophy because I was kind of thinking, oh, well, he's just really describing a process. He's not really being prescriptive. He's not really saying you should do this, you should do that. It's not really a philosophy in that sense. It's or a uh, sense of self-orientation. He's just talking about, uh, oh, the brain kind of does this at a certain, it's optimized at a certain point and just describing that process. But yeah, when you start reading into it, there's a massive sense of the qualitative as well as the quantitative, When he, especially when he talks about eudaimonia, because I was like, oh shit, this almost sounds like eudaimonia. And then the fucking word pops up. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Because the hows and the whys are synonymous. They feed into each other. So it's obviously not just about grinning. And being in that euphoric state of happiness. But it's more than that because you're being creative in order to be in that euphoric state. And you're in that euphoric state because you're being creative. So it's this cyclical. Well, that's that's the point. At no point is it like is it like a euphoric delirium. It's just like a sense of sort of oneness with the thing that you're doing. Which I think is it's it's like and and one of the things he says about a flow state is you lose yourself, you completely stop self-identifying. So it's like we've all had this when sometimes I don't know you'll be like writing like an essay or something, you're really focused on what you're writing, and literally nothing else matters around you. Or you're you're working on a piece of music, or you're uh, I don't know doing some movements, and it's just like nothing else. It's it's like I get it a lot in jujitsu when you're like uh, rolling. It's like 
you're just completely focused on what's happening and it's like everything else around you doesn't matter but then it's this idea of the loss of self but then when you come back after finishing a task you've actually improved like there's actually there's a there's a stronger association with the self yeah uh, definitely and i and i would say it's loss of self almost sounds a bit too pejorative because when you think about it you are yourself more in those moments it's yeah, yeah. it's the whole idea of living your living the self forward rather than thinking of the self backwards you're not thinking back on the self or what kind of person am i sat in an armchair you are, in that moment you are living what it means to be yourself he makes a really good point where he talks about how that's like uh entropy so he calls it i think it's like psychic entropy and he says if you look at a if you look at a lion a lion is not thinking about whether he's a good lion he's just literally acting he's just completely in the the flow state of, of what's going on and he sort of talks about how probably the development of the prefrontal cortex means we're the only animals that are like susceptible to this sort of idea of psychic entropy which is sort of when you're like left alone or when you're thinking about something or when you're doing a task that's not stimulating, when you're not in flow state, when you're in either anxiety or boredom, which are on the other sides of the flow state, you're constantly sort of having this internal dialogue. So you're not actually focusing what's happening. You're just thinking and like... Well, that just sounds a lot like the colloquial idea of consciousness, the idea of being self-aware. It kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't really I don't really fancy the idea of being a lion, to be honest. I'd rather have my wits. <laughs> That's the thing. It's the idea where it's, where it's useful, but it's also like... It's like the Thomas Nagel thing, isn't it? What's, it? what's it like to be a bat? It's like you have absolutely no idea of how you could function without a consciousness. Mm. What's the difference between consciousness and thinking like a human, if that makes sense? And like higher, higher function thinking skills. They're different things. In, in our minds, they're synonymous, but they are different. Yeah, well, that's why I said the colloquial idea of consciousness is yeah, just that being aware of being aware of being aware, uh, you know, and so on, endlessly. Yeah. So that's that's what you know. Rabbits aren't walking around doing that because they would behave very differently if they were. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but then rabbits aren't also thinking, "Oh, I'm a bad rabbit." Maybe, maybe, maybe all the other rabbits hate me. Do you know what I mean? Like all these things, all, all the negative aspects, which is what he's talking about with psychic entropy. Yeah, still overcome the negative. They're much more common than like positive aspects. The idea is if you if you engage in activities that are like flow based activities, you do get more of the positives of things coming back in, like more of the positive. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not like reassurance. It's a uh, fuck. Come on, brain. I, I can't. I can't help you. This is like what it's like to be Sam. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Both of us have fucking sonic abilities. That's the that's the same thing. Yeah, I remember him saying that people who do suffer from anxiety and all those kind of neurotic behaviors and dispositions, you know, worry, fear, anxiety, frustration, envy, it kind of breaks that sense of flow. But it can also be a good way, I think, to to get over those. We had to recapture it, isn't it? And yeah. And part of the problem is like a part that he talks about, and he he talks about this because it's in the 80s, he talks about things like TV and how people spend loads of time on TV, even though that's like a, that doesn't induce a flow state and it's not like rewarding, but they use it a lot of the times to sort of drown out this background of like psychic entropy, like these negative thoughts. So it means you're you're actually spending like the biggest amount of your time relaxing doing something which is not contributing anything other than just sort of drowning out the, the negativity that's coming in. Yeah, well, I think it's, yeah, it's the same reason why people throw themselves into work to avoid depression. It doesn't exactly yeah. deal with the root cause, but I think it can, it can overcome a lot of the manifestations of that thing, with, you know, the, the symptoms. Um, so what, wait, what is the difference then between 
would you say that you could do it playing a video game? Yeah. And yeah, 100%, because that has, like, it has a clear set of rules. It has a clear set of rules. It has skill. It has, like, instant feedback, right? And this is one of these things where that is a game, and games are literally designed to give us a flow state, like sports. Like there's, there's no other reason to play a game than to create a flow state. Mm. And this, this is why one of these things is kind of, kind of a little bit dangerous, because flow is not, like, a, a unanimously good thing. Yeah, I remember he, he said some criticisms. Well, yeah, he talks about, my my favorite word, he talks about Adolf Eichmann. He goes, goes like Adolf Eichmann, the Nazi who calmly shipped off 10,000s to the gas chamber, was probably a man for whom bureaucracy was absolutely sacred, was probably in a state of flow when he shuffled off the intricate train schedules, making certain that the scarce rolling stock was available where it was needed and that the bodies were transported at the least expense. So he's not saying that like flow is like good. Because you can you can end up in flow as, as as long as there are rules and as long as there is skill and as long as there is like instant feedback. I think that's that's why he sort of tries to stick a few orts in it as well and yeah, yeah. talk about eudaimonia and, and evoke these more ethical, wholesome concepts. Because yeah, on its own, it's just describing describing a state, isn't it? Yeah, rather than putting this positive spin on it the yeah the, the things i read he was saying about addiction so like enjoyable activities that produce flow have a negative effect yeah like you said video games it's like yeah it's it's very flow inducing like the entire point of video games to be massively flow inducing is to keep you playing isn't it yeah and it's like then the only problem is what is the end product you've done if you've learned how to I, i'm sort of of the of the like mindset where you, I think you do actually learn quite a lot by doing video games. I think you actually do, as long as it's like a suitably challenging game, as long as there are like things you can map over to real life. Oh, mate, yeah. The, the amount of like words and concepts and ideas I learned from playing games like Total War. Yeah, mate. Uh, I learned so much history. Obviously, I had to kind of go away and go, okay, well, what's, what's canonical? Because uh, I'm playing as Spain and I just conquered the whole world. I'm sure that didn't happen. Eight, but... eight, 80, 18 feet pike, mate. That's the, my favourite thing. <laughs> also, can, can, I, can I just jump in on that point again? I think it's your boy, Yamamoto Musashi. Once you know the way you see it broadly in all things, it's like if you take the mindset, like you said, of actually... Like, I remember I've literally just started playing a fuckload of Shogun 2. And uh, after the end of it, I've literally, as I've moved away, been like, what have I learned from doing that? And like, if you make a conscious effort to link all these things together, you start to see massive patterns which uh, cross over into everything you do. So it's like you can learn a lot about like not only yourself, but also how to handle situations by like playing video games. Because they are literally simulations of events, aren't they? As, as yeah. long as you have the right mindset of like, I am out to learn something. As long as you have that learning mindset, it's like there's basically no task that isn't part of a sort of bigger whole. Yeah, so... Uh, what what Mihai says is that uh, he says the flow experience, like everything else, is not good in an absolute sense. The self becomes captive in a certain kind of order, and is then unwilling to cope with the ambiguities of life. So it's a fantastic quote. He talks about Bobby Fischer, who was like the chess prodigy. Who was you so, said that already? Yeah, but there's a different point. There's two, but he was so obsessed <clears throat> with chess that it was like he he couldn't do anything else outside of it. So like, so because he was so obsessed with a game that was completely ordered, there was there was so little chaos that was uh, relevant in everything he was doing that when he actually sort of went outside and went to the shops, there was just like so many like thousands of chaotic variables that he just couldn't handle it. 
Mm. So it's it's that sort of idea of like balance in all things, isn't it? BA is very, very careful to be like, okay, well, I'm not saying if you are in flow all the time, if you just go and play fucking uh, chess, like, 15 hours a day you're going to be happy i think it's really weird that a lot of these ideas are wrapped up in certain contexts like i said like sport and i think the military is another one where this whole idea of being in the zone blocking out other things and completing tasks in a way that's focused is just a very accepted thing and i think they have ways of disseminating those ideas and teaching them and i i just think in general life people haven't really clocked on Oh yeah, these people like the monks that float and shit. Or they can, they're in the zone. And oh, um, footballers, oh, they can concentrate. Oh, musicians, they they do all these like great solos. They must be really focused. And then they struggle at loads of things. Normal people, ordinary people that don't exist in these really niche spaces, fuckers like us included, where we're just there like, oh shit, all these all these people in all these like very specific jobs, they they can just concentrate. I can't concentrate, and they don't realize that these things are widely accessible anyway yeah or, or the fact that concentration is a skill mm. and and there was actually one thing that i've come away from this like just had a complete fucking 180 and was not expecting rote learning so just learning facts just learning things learning to recite poetry and like uh learning stories learning to remember things because it's like rote learning is literally like the fucking antichrist in teaching it's like that's the worst thing ever then he talks about how like how fantastic it is for building up character. He gives loads of examples. This isn't one of his examples, but this is from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, where he's talking about how in the Gulag, there were people who were reciting poems that they'd spent years learning off by heart, or like people who were like giving, um, they were talk, they were like giving speeches in the middle of these prisons that were like reciting essays that they were, had remembered. And it's about like how all these things, instead of looking for an external source of comfort, instead of going like, ah, oh, well, I'm in this prison that that's like quickly or I'm in a situation where I can't do anything that's quickly grab a phone. These people can look inwards. They can look in on some like poems or things like that they've remembered. And that is like a sort of source of like inner comfort, inner, com uh, inner power, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. We, we, do, we just don't do that at all anymore. And it's, it's probably, probably a good thing, but also might be bad. Yeah, the idea of like self-ownership made me think of like this stoicism parallels yeah that makes sense yeah it's it's, it's not hyper focus or like a complete trance it's it's about taking ownership of yourself which is again another thing i think that separates it from all these like breathing techniques and things where you're going out of your body is because it's not like i was saying i think it's it's living probably more authentically than you ever would because you're you're living yourself right there in the moment oh yeah or at least that's the aim isn't it mm. there's a list of like eight things that make up flow let's go i haven't I haven't seen that but that must be did, did he do it afterwards was it uh after the book or uh yeah this was in an article afterwards so when he was just he, he was asked by buzzfeed he was like eight top things you don't know about consciousness <laughs> number seven will blow your mind yeah, so there's eight things. Uh, I thought we could sort of go through them and maybe unpack them a little bit if they're maybe a little bit weird. Yeah, dude. Uh, so complete concentration on the task. That's pretty self-explanatory. Number two is clarity of goals and reward in mind and immediate feedback. 
So in terms of feedback would be like gratification, right? Well, no, nah, this, see, this is, this is where directly crosses over into teaching music because let's say you've got a piece of paper and it's got like eight boxes on it, right? And it's got like the word kick drum, snare drum, hi-hat, and you're writing like a drum beat. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've got two different systems set up. One of them is like a, like an electronic tablet where these boxes, when you press them, so, so it's like a sort of grid, like left to right, it will be the beats in a bar and also the different instrumental sounds. So you've got one, which would be like a piece of paper that you cross off. And then you think, oh, maybe that makes a drum beat. And then you've got another one when you press the boxes and press play, it will play through that full drum beat like a drum machine. So one of them's got instant feedback. So you can put in some random ticks and crosses in the boxes and then listen back to it and go, oh, that sounds crap. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to make a change to that. I'm going to make a change to that. Yeah. So a more direct relationship with the thing you're doing. Yeah, so it's like it's like playing guitar. When you pluck a note, you get instant feedback in the form of the like sound that comes out. Mm. You have to have that feedback. I'm trying to think of an example. Music's really good for it because it's like you do get that feedback. It's like maths. You only get the feedback when you have done the question, right? And then you check to see if the answer's right. If there's a way of like maths feedbacking and then saying like halfway through, oh no, you made that wrong. It's like you could probably be in a bit more of a flow state. So I mean, I I've done music and stuff but i was trying to think of a context that's kind of unique to me that you probably wouldn't share i was thinking of probably bar work is the only time where i can honestly say i've experienced flow on a regular basis that's the thing like he talks about it and says like we experience flow i think i think it's 75 percent more than uh in work than we do in leisure mm, yeah because like a lot of our leisure activities are just like fucking staring at a screen or something just like input of information to drown drown out the chaotic bad thoughts mm-hmm. i think it it finally put words to why i enjoy a lot of my shifts so much and i haven't been enjoying other things before what's an example of that like or um when it gets really really busy and uh sometimes we'll have competitions to see who can serve the most people? There you go. You've created a rules-based system where yeah. the goals are clear. Now, I'm quite... Yeah, I'm, I'm quite shit. I'm, I'm autistic as fuck, so, like, customer service isn't incredible. Um, Mate, that, that's my that's my favourite kind of customer service. I don't want any eye contact because I will be yeah. giving none back. You just want a plate thrown at you. <laughs> yeah. On a really busy night, we'll have these competitions, and it seems to be one thing, at least, that I'm quite good at um sometimes i have really bad days and tend to be like i've been top taker a few months but 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 are you you focusing on winning or are you focusing on just the task at hand just the task but it gives me an excuse to uh go quite fast i ultimately i don't really care if i win i don't get anything out of that it's the sense of uh kind of being happy with myself and pushing myself. Yeah, that's the thing. And and like one of his one of his main tenets is the fact that people are not fucking happy when they're just sat down on a beach and like Acapulco drinking a margarita. They're fucking bored. People are happiest most when they're having their skills tested. So it's like, mm. are, are you are you happier on a, a, a like a busy night or a night when you got three people in there? If it becomes too busy, and I think this this actually feeds into uh, a lot of the other points balance between challenge and skill and effortlessness and ease because when it becomes too busy and it gets to a point where we're at we're at fucking breaking point which doesn't happen really that often but it can uh happen with any bar but 
you get to that point where you're like, oh, there are actually too many people in here. Yeah. How, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's you get to that point, you're working flat out. Like, no, it, the like the, the queue will move. The queue will, you know, we'll just keep working. Fucking put a sweat on, get to it. And then it doesn't mean, oh, actually, we're, we're, we're fucked here. We're getting shagged. Well, again, again, your boy Musashi uh, seeing fucking things, right? Have, have you seen the graph where it's literally just like uh, flow, anxiety, and boredom? Yeah, I'm going to link that in the show notes because that that helped me conceptualize what this was the, the week I've been reading about yeah, that, it. Yeah, that's literally, that's literally what you're saying there. So when there's two little people, you've got like a, a corridor of flow where everything's perfect. You've got just enough people that you're stretched and your skills being tested, but you're not like completely mm. overcome. Then at the top, you've got anxiety. Then you've got like uh, boredom at the bottom. And it's like you want to be hitting that flow channel at all times because otherwise you're just doing fucking damage to your brain. Yeah, and I guess that links into number eight as well, which was there is a feeling of control over the task. Yeah. Which is massively important to that whole thing as well, what I'm experiencing. Someone who's on fucking D-Day, it's like, that. That chances are they're pretty focused, right? They're pretty focused on a task at hand, but they don't have a sense of control. So chances are they're not particularly in flow mm-hmm. because uh, the level of anxiety is is way above, the, the level of skill required is way above the skill level that they have. It's it's like it's like if I roll if I roll with a black belt now, like I've been doing jujitsu for like a year and a bit. If I go and roll a black belt who's like fucking top of his game, being in there for twenty years, I'm, I'm getting nothing out of that. He's getting nothing out of that. I'm well above my skill threshold. Mm. I'm getting anxiety and my fucking neck broken. <laughs> when yeah, when I play drums, there are just certain songs where you'd be able to get into that groove. Because I think I think that I think that's commonly a flow state, and people are calling it or getting into the groove. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's another term for it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's it's actually the same thing. It's, but again, it's codified in the language of musicians. So a lot of people will be like, "Oh, I can't get in the groove," and it, I have no sense of rhythm or time. It's not really about that. It's about loving what you're doing so much and becoming competent enough at it that you hit this sweet spot. It's nothing to do with oh, I've got two left feet. Oh, I've, I can't. It, I, I honestly think it's. It's time and effort and unlocking that understanding of it. But yes, I mean, some songs I'd be totally out of my depth. I'd be like going too fast or going too slow. But then other, we'd have like a jam or whatever and it would suddenly just click. And especially because I think this guy talks about like group flow as well. Like most things in psychology, it's better to do it in a group. And when you get that group flow, when you get a jam going, I think that's, that's why it's so difficult to experience why I like playing music so much because of that feeling when... You're, you've got like eight guys all jamming away and you're all in the groove. It's, it's like completely transformative and euphoric. Like it, there's nothing else like it. Well, yeah, because you're experiencing like a, it's almost like a religious experience, isn't it? That's the reason why, like, yeah. why singing is such a massive part of like religious ceremonies as well. Because you're, you're- Do you know, I didn't want to say that as I said that, um, because I said that once before and I got like bollocked by a humanities lecturer. He was like, it's not the same thing. How you can't say that. <laughs> and I just had, had that in my mind. I was like, mm, I'm not going to say that again. It's accessing a flow state. Yeah. Once you, once you, once you realize that, and it's like, he talks about culture being like, it's like, a, again, your boy Jordan Peterson, um, devouring the planet. It's like, he talks about how cult- culture is like a, it's just a series of barriers against chaos. And a lot of the ways that they... Can you not do the voice? No, nah, mate, I'm not even going to fucking try. I'd literally sound like a retard. But, um, it's like all these things that are like barriers against chaos, a lot of them enact flow states. So it's like one, one example we gave was singing in like Latin mass. 
because that was like a, a traditional thing or like, or like uh, group dancing in like Western African tribes. That's like another sense of flow state. Yeah. Do you want to just expand on that point about chaos? Because you, you checked me this in the notes like an, an hour before. Chaos is a fucking real thing, man. It's it's this idea that like... It's that thing in Warhammer, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Well, yeah, literally. It's fucking everywhere. It's like, um, it's it's like it's the opposite of order. So there's like order and then there's chaos. Every single culture has had like words for it. You've got like yin-yang, you've got Polonian versus Dionysian. You've got fucking space marines versus uh, whatever. Well, yeah, no, I, uh, seriously, I do think they... They leak into those antipodes in uh, fictional narratives. Well, yeah, they, they, yeah, they are because literally you've got even in that you've literally got things that are like dark versions of like uh, Marvel characters. You got like chaos in fucking forty k. You've got like uh, Sauron who's like pure evil in Lord of the Rings. It's like you just have some sort of representation of chaos, and it's like it's been put in so many like fucking almost every single mythology. But it's like there's this idea that I and. The more you start to sort of think about it, and this sort of came from Alan Watts, where like he talks about how chaos is like a real thing. And it's like, so so chaos is that stack of books that you've got like uh on your desk, or like that those paperwork that you haven't like sorted through, or like our oh, chaos is like that. I'm looking at uh, there's a bag for life that's got a coat hanger in it next to my bin at the moment, and it's been there for like the entirety of this morning, and that's just a little bit of chaos creeping in. Or like chaos is like some washing up that you haven't done. Chaos isn't a literal thing. It's like freedom, right? It, it's, no, no, it's actually it's, a real thing. Yeah, but no, surely it's an idea. No, but it's actually a real thing, though. Like, the, well, it's not a metaphysical thing. Well, it is. That, that washing up's a fucking real thing. That's a real... That's, yeah, but only because you're, proje- you're yeah, projecting... Yeah, yeah, I'm projecting an idea onto it. But you can start to see things as manifestations of chaos and order. So, yes, so, so yeah. you can say that, like, the fact that I've got a fucking... some washing up to do is, like... A manifestation of chaos and i will bring order to that by doing the washing up the confrontation of chaos is the premise of all religion yeah basically i, I kind of go with the idea more that like alan watts said like you want to dance with it. It, it, it if you think of it as a fight you end up like john paul sutra's nausea where he goes he goes to like an old abandoned city and he sees like all these weeds coming back up and just like covering over the town i think i've probably talked about this before but it's this idea of, i don't think you have uh, oh it's this idea of he goes and he starts to see like um he starts to see like horrible visions of nature reclaiming and it's like when you look at like chernobyl power stations you see nature taking over these ordered structures and it's just this idea of like left unchecked chaos will take over so it's it's this idea that's like as old as time yeah well, the idea of order is is incredibly subjective and you have yeah. i think you have certain levels of suppression which feed into that like the idea of christian order for instance is very specific yeah and it's like alan watts is saying that like if you think of it as a fight that's wrong because it should be a dance because if you have complete if you're like the fucking xi jinping of your own life and like everything is ordered that's like unlivable but if everything's completely chaotic that's also unlivable there's a sort of point in the middle which is actually like the right place to be Do you have anything else to say before we finish? Should we, should we do those? Finish with those eight points, then we'll talk about. Uh, I've got some about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Number three, transformation of time. So, for a lot of people, who experience flow when they're in a flow state. Things speed up or slow down, and I think that's. I don't know that that, that just struck me as like, well, why why don't people really get to grips with that? Because everyone says it. Every shift, every someone will say, "Oh, the shift's going really slow." You know, it just strikes me as kind of odd that people don't kind of 
step outside and take that meta analysis of what's happening and just be like, well, I, I can literally, if I, if I get to grips with this, if I can con- control this, I can <laughs> effectively control time. It's like, it's a thing that affects me every day. So why don't I kind of learn more about that, why that's happening in my brain and kind of, you know, get on top of it. Part of the thing that Mihai is saying is like, yeah, you should just, so just try and aim for some flow activities. He, he quotes a guy who says one of the biggest, um, the biggest problem in American society, this is when it was written back in the 80s, was the fact that people were just wasting their leisure time, just absolutely fucking spaffing it on things that um, bring no sort of value no intrinsic worth to their lives. He's got a great quote here, which is, um, he says, mass leisure, mass culture, and even high culture, when only attended to passively and for its own extrinsic reasons, uh, such as with people who are trying to flaunt their status or their wealth, these things are parasites of the mind. They absorb psychic energy without providing any substance or strength in return. They leave us more exhausted, more disheartened than before. And I think this is some, I, I don't think I talked about psychic energy and it sounds a bit like fucking crystal skull, but it's like, yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask you this. It, it's like this, this idea that you have a certain uh, amount of focus, right? I, I like to think of it as like a sort of like a, like a bank balance. So you have a certain amount of focus for the day in the same way you have a certain amount of like calorific energy. So you should be very, very careful about how you spend that. So it's like, you could spend that, I don't know, playing like piano for half an hour, or you could spend that looking at fucking dank memes, one of those is going to make you feel worse afterwards. Even though you could probably argue they both give you a flow state. A lot of people get in a flow state when they're just like scrolling through like Facebook or when they're scrolling through like Instagram. Surely that's no skill though. And yeah, I, I don't think so. But I think you... I think yeah, you, I, I can't speak for other people, but yeah. I, I don't think so, me. but I think you still... I, I think it still triggers some of those elements because you've got such an ability to have instant feedback. I don't know if it's a flow state. I, I, yeah, probably the fact that you haven't mm. got any sort of skill being applied makes it less of a flow state. But it's this, this idea that you have a certain amount of capital and how you spend that is actually really, really fucking important. Yeah, number seven, actions and awareness are merged. So that's the, that's the you know, you're a violinist, so focused on every little minute movement mm. that you're just, you're not worried about anything else around you because when is it when is it that you fuck up at playing like the piano or like the violin or whatever how come how come like you can play the piano for like hours and it sounds good and then when you go oh have a look at this suddenly you can't fucking do anything because you're out of your head you're thinking what if i play it wrong what if they don't think that's good all this crap just like goes into your head and then suddenly you're just out of the flow state and you can't fucking do anything yeah generally the times i fail at those power hours at work when i'm trying to kind of serve as many people as possible and you know get into the flow of like literally unbroken work um generally the times i'll fail is if something happens outside of the context that i'm expecting maybe something completely extraordinary happens somebody will drop something whatever or, or, or a good example he says is when there's things outside of work there was there was a he uses an example of a guy who works on an assembly line and one day he's just suddenly shit at everything. And that's because he's got a flat tire. He hasn't got enough money to pay for it. And he has to keep going to and back at work, pumping up each time. That, that shit just means you've got things rattling around in your head. And it means you, you mm. can't access flow because you're thinking about like a very real problem outside of it. Yeah. Despite the fact that you're absorbed in the task, it's also a sense of being hyper aware because I do often feel that if I'm in a sense of unbroken 
flow. If something does happen outside of the context, I'm more equipped to deal with it. It will break the flow and kind of knock me off balance, but I'll have kind of more of my wits around me to deal with that. But that's, yeah, it's probably because I've got attention deficit disorder anyway. So, but also just that, that idea that you're out of your head, you're not thinking, you're not ruminating. You don't have all these ideas bouncing around your head. You're actually just doing something. You're living like in that flow state. So when you break out, but you mm. can just go, Oh, well, okay. Well, I, I haven't also, although I'm broken out of the flow state, I also haven't just spent an hour thinking about negative shit whilst I was doing this job. So I'm actually now, I'm, I'm now at zero rather than minus. Absolutely. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause you, yeah, you're getting all that concentration together and focusing it on a, it's not a loss of concentration. It's a redirection of it. You've got, you've got so much sort of like psychic, uh, I hate using the word psychic energy. It sounds really fucking weird, but it's like, you can actually get some energy back. And when people are doing things they don't want to do, they have to burn through that psychic energy so much more because let's say, let's say you're working at a job that you don't like. And you're like, I have to work this because I'm making the money. Do you know what I mean? That's your entire mm-hmm. reason for being there. It's like you're doing something you don't want to do because the money. And it's like completely extrinsic rather than focusing on the task, which means you'd actually enter the flow state, probably enjoy it more. And you'd be doing the same job at the same time anyway. You're actually exhausting your like, uh, like psychic energy because you're mm. forcing yourself through that. You're actually just like, like using so much more effort than it is if you were just like focus on the task that you were doing. So, so, you end, so you end up being knackered when you get home, basically. It's, it's why when p- people who are at work are just like, fucking hell, I hate here, oh, I hate doing this. That's why people like that are usually just fucking so grumpy all the time. And then when they go home, they've done nothing because they've actually used quite a lot of psyche energy to do the thing they didn't want to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I used to get that when I worked in a warehouse. Yeah, well, it's just like compare, compare your shift at warehouse where you don't like what you're doing to compare when you're doing bar work where you're doing the power hour and you're actually focused on what you're doing. It's like, mm. you're like, whoa, I could do another two hours. Yeah, it's uncomparable. You, you actually get energy back from it. My brain's gone now, so. Yeah, no worries, mate. The, the, that's, that's why I like doing these podcasts as well, though, because like you do get to a point where this is sort of like a, like a heightened conversation, isn't it? Where you are actually using, mm, like, yeah. you're actually using like thinking skills, planning out, like some ideas of what you're doing hopefully this is like a sort of skill-based thing with a rule the rule is like you have to talk about flow and then like come up with some fucking woke shit about adolf eichmann and then it's also there's like a clear goal like the so you do get into a zone of conversation where it's a little bit more hyper real than when you're just saying to your neighbor like oh it's nice weather today yeah absolutely yeah you're forced to actually think about interactions because because when you're doing your um what was it you called it the the other day? I listened to the other podcast and you said it was like banal platitudes of like working one-upmanship or some shit where you're like, well, I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Oh, something about moralistic statements. Yeah, yeah, that was that was it. I, you yeah, said yeah. that. I was just like, fucking hell, that's nailed it. And it's like once you, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like Tom Cruise's middle tooth. When you notice that, you can't fucking unsee it. It's everywhere. It's literally just like, it's just like hitting you in the face. But it's like, that's not testing your conversation skills at all. Mm. all right, I'm going to finish on a quote from Mihai. Your boy. Your boy, Mihai. Could, uh, could we do a second name, please? Go on, mate. I, I had to go. You do it. You do it. Uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Fuck you. That was pretty good. Damn it. Okay. I've had about fucking 
three Perrys as well. Your boy. The best moments in our lives are not the passive, receptive, relaxing times. The best moments usually occur if a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. Mic drop. The universe explodes. Literally. It's, it's why people like look back on the... People used to look back on the Blitz, like, oh, I missed the Blitz. I feel like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, people generally would like, I missed the Blitz. And I guarantee... I was talking to someone about this, about coronavirus, like... I guarantee people will be like, oh, I miss the coronavirus because there's this shared sense of you're going through hardship together. Some people, yeah, sure. Yeah, there is, actually, there is a better quote, which I found. I think you sent me this, actually. Drop the bomb over. Yeah, this, this one's, I think this one's better, actually. More than anything else, men and women seek happiness. While happiness itself is sought for its own sake, every other goal, health, beauty, money, or power is valued only because we expect that it will make us happy. Yeah, boy, Aristotle. That's I was I was yeah, that fucking... I was gonna I was gonna start with that, but um, I forgot about it completely. Yeah, it's how he starts the book, and it's just like fucking what a way to start. Yeah, because it's, it's, yeah, it gets everything in a nutshell. It's true. Yeah, it absolutely nails it. Don't you hate it when some Greek keys from like fucking twenty six thousand years ago just is fucking way more woke than you could ever be? Yes. I mean, isn't that literally psychology? Just people trying to outdo Plato. Oh.